The Free For All Roundtable. Round one. On round one, Jerry Agar is here from the Jerry Agar Show, 9 to noon. Courtney Betty from Betty's Law. He's a Toronto-based lawyer. Dave Trafford is here, host and producer of On the Ledge, the Ontario Politics Podcast. Not the only podcast he's working on, incidentally. You're having a tremendous success, aren't you, Dave? We're busy, busy. We just launched uh, a new show this week. It's called uh, Canadian Forestry Can Save the World, Save yeah, save the Planet. So uh, just jump in there. And it's, it's, it's a really interesting um, delve into the role that the forestry industry plays and must play in uh, fighting the climate uh, crisis. Hey, we take on the Lorax, we take on um, Smokey the Bear, we took on uh, the Fern Gully and the Giving Tree, all in the first three episodes, so it's good fun. Well, don't, don't forget, I think the Forest Rangers was set in Australia, and I, I used to have a playmate who would run home at 4.30 every afternoon to watch it. All right, Enough arcana, let's get into the meat of things. Ontario looking to poach healthcare workers from other provinces. It's a nice idea, but uh, let me start with Jerry Agar on this one. Um, we were talking with a nurse who admittedly ran for the Liberals in the last provincial election, but one of the issues we touched on is if nurses are getting out of the profession in Ontario because they feel that they are being abused, then why are we looking elsewhere rather than fixing our wagon here? Well, maybe we should do both. Uh, there may be people who want to uh, move here regardless for any kind of reason. If somebody is qualified to work in Alberta or Prince Edward Island or wherever, they're qualified to work in Ontario. So get on with it. I think it's ridiculous that there would be road bumps in the way of anybody like that. Courtney Betty, I like what the Premier is talking about because I want to see this happen in every single legislated profession. Did we find got Courtney? Here we go. I, I think we've got to recognize that in this particular area, we need federal legislation. This provincial separation in terms of the professionals in the healthcare, it, it just creates a lot of confusion. It's almost the same thing in the legal side, but at the same time, I could make an application to Newfoundland and I could be practicing law down in Newfoundland through a very simple process. So I think there is merit to that, John. But then again, there's also the possibility of international workers that are trained that the province really should be focusing on. We don't want to be attacking PEI right now for the benefit of Ontario. Dave Trafford, this has caused a bit of a stir in Quebec because they have very unhappy nurses there and now they're all terrified the nurses are going to pick up and leave. Well, I think it's a legitimate concern. Uh, this is not a solution. This is just an admission that we have a serious problem that we have no plan to resolve. I mean, let's face it. What we're doing is poaching, you know, uh, skilled labor from other parts of the country does not in the short or in the long term really solve the problem because we've already got incentive programs in other provinces. I was in Nova Scotia recently and the pre uh, premier down there making big noise about saying, you know, nursing students who come right out of school, we will guarantee you a job. So, you <laughs> You know, if you're already there, you've already got the, the reason and the means to uh, set up a, a home and a family and so on in, in any part of the country. Uh, it's great that the premiers hung out the welcome sign, but so what? I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean people are going to come. So it's a great opportunity for the premier and the health minister to pat themselves on the back. They've been doing that a lot lately. But at the same time, it does not end up with a solution to a very critical problem. Don't declare defeat before the game has been played, Dave. Um, it doesn't cost anything to make this kind of an offer and if nobody comes from Quebec or PEI or Alberta then okay that didn't work but otherwise uh, and quite frankly to uh, to um, Courtney's point I don't care if PEI and Quebec don't like it 
Listen, let's keep moving here. Uh, this one I know is going to be a sizzling debate here and likely elsewhere for a good long time. Six women who married ISIS terrorists and then had 13 children between them are all being repatriated to Canada. Uh, Courtney Betty, I, I, you know, I, I watched a documentary about these women. I find them all naive and in some cases noxious. But at the same time, most of these things happened when they were 17 years old and they kind of got looped into it and they regretted it almost from day one. Well, that's the thing, John. It's all about compassion. They are Canadian citizens. Let's take that into account. I mean, there's going to be, as you said, a lot of debate on this issue. But in my view, it's the right thing to do. Because um, part of it, John, you got to understand the culture of these individuals, right? We can make objective decisions based on our understanding of the way that things should be. But there is a cultural component and the naiveness of these individuals at such a young age. Dave Trafford, it shouldn't be ignored that there are a few very prominent individuals who in their youth did very stupid things, some of them terrorist-oriented, including Mubin Sheikh. Uh, But nowadays, we seem to think, okay, you're a better person. Well, and I, I think this has to be almost taken on a case-by-case basis, but if you're talking about teenagers who've gone over, and I heard some of those clips, you know, they're, just, they're rebelling against mom and dad, and off they go, and they do their thing. Um, but to suggest, and, and I think maybe Deb, I don't know how far she was going with this this morning, suggesting that they made a choice when they were there to have kids. Mm, I'm not sure that once they got into that environment, you know, in the ISIS environment, that the women would have had any much of a choice to do anything. So I think you really need to take it on a, on a case by case basis and if you can want to accuse me of being wishy-washy i will i will allow you to do that all right jerry well the kids are victims and uh and we, nobody wants to visit any penalty on them we have to bring these women back because they are in fact canadian citizens that doesn't mean they come back free and clear there are four of us here anybody want to vote on who doesn't have sympathy for them you? Okay, you got it right, right off the first guess. There's a, this, this is, they, they went off to be involved in terrorism, and if you're 17 years old, you know that's what you're doing. Jerry, for a moment, I was just feeling that we agreed on something. I was feeling really good until you spoiled it. <laughs> Sorry. I never know if something's a rhetorical question or you expect So much an for a sweet, sweet Friday. Sweet, sweet Friday. Bitter, bitter <laughs> Friday. Um, okay, uh, let me start with the lawyer on this one. There's a law firm, and maybe it's a publicity stunt, Courtney, but hey, even lawyers do publicity stunts. They are offering to defend anybody caught stealing food from a grocery store for free. Well, John, it's, it's a paralegal. And the way that I look at it, if you're caught stealing food from a grocery store, certainly you have challenges. But let's just say that you went through the process. There's a In Ontario, for example, we've got a thing called legal aid, that they're entitled to a legal aid lawyer. So I'm not sure. That would be for free as well. I'll leave it at that. We'll talk with that paralegal. It's Frank Alfano, and uh, we'll be talking with him at 8.20. But uh, Jerry Agar, is this you know, by definition, endorsing the idea that maybe it's okay to shoplift food? I I think so. And there are people, activist people who do endorse that. This isn't Jean Valjean stealing a loaf of bread for his starving niece um, in in an environment in which he lived. We have food banks. We have places you can go to get food. And so, therefore, uh, just because you might hate grocery stores and the profits that they're making right now does not justify stealing. And I don't think there's any argument for that. Worth mentioning, he also stole candlesticks. But anyway, uh, Dave Trump. No, that was later. When he got in trouble in the first place, it was because he stole bread. (laughs) 
I'm Dave? up on that story. <laughs> well, I, you know, I like to take it back to the next step. I mean, the right to food is considered a human right. And so, you know, you want to push this further. I mean, this is almost a, an act of civil disobedience. The, the idea that we have food banks is great. But again, that's back to being part of the problem. Uh, and I'm not suggesting for a second that we shouldn't have food banks or anything else. I mean, we need them, but it only uh, qualifies as amplifying the problem. Um, we don't know that people aren't stealing a loaf of bread because they aren't hungry. I mean, we, we right? They can we go to the food that. bank, Dave. There is no legitimacy for stealing food from a grocery store. No, I'm not suggesting that there is. But if there is a right to food, then all of a sudden this becomes a human right issue. And, okay, and if when there's we a want right to, to embrace food, that, if there's a right to food, Dave, why am I paying for it? Then if we want to embrace that there's a right to food, then government should be taking action to eliminate poverty. And we do not do that. We legislate uh, poverty in this in this province alone. Uh, so, you know, we, to talk about a, a $3 or $4 loaf of bread as being some reason that uh, we should take issue with it, the fact of the matter is people are going hungry. There are more than 200,000 visits to the food bank a month in this city alone. Mm. And we sit on our hands and say, way to go, Neil Hetherington and all the folks today bread that's the best we do swarm but i'm not sure I'm, I'm not i'm not i'm not sure that the announcement by this paralegal dave because i completely agree with you i'm not sure that it addresses that issue and it creates another level of complication for that challenge i, I just don't think it's necessarily the right message in terms of solving the problem that you that, that you have clearly identified. The family of a man 59 years old who was swarmed and stabbed to death is asking for the uh, accused killers, who are 13 and to 16 years old, to be publicly identified. Dave, I'll start with you on this one, because I know that a lot of people think that we need to shake up the juvenile justice system, but these are the laws we got, so it ain't going to happen. Yeah, well, this triggers me as a recovering news director, just because every time we'd get into a story where, you know, they'd involve anybody under 18 or whether or not the victim was under 18, etc., uh, this became one of those things where we really were focused on making sure that we were going, you know, over and above any effort to make sure that we weren't uh, identifying anybody. But I think at some point, and I, and I kind of like the way Deb approached this this morning, the idea that in, in the early stages of this, depending on, well, it doesn't matter what the charge might be be. Let's just make sure that we do not identify anybody while they're in the court system, in the justice system. But if you be, if you end up being convicted of first degree, second degree murder, some serious crime, upon conviction, I think it's fair to say no matter what your age, we should know who that is. Of course, the other part of this story is the bail issue, and that's a scab that... Um, we just seem to keep picking it never wants to heal. So maybe this is what comes to light as a result. One is out on bail already. I think there are eight in total, and one of them is actually having a bail hearing today. Jerry? Well, I, I don't disagree with anything that uh, Deb or Dave said on this, except there is an excellent point, I think, being made by the family, and that is that if we name some names, there may be witnesses or other victims who would come forward if they say, oh, I know something about that. Yeah, although Courtney Betty, I, I, my one of my fears is okay. You name these kids, and all of a sudden their parents are getting doxxed. Well, that's a part of it. But we, we, in Ontario, we have this system in Canada for young offenders. So let's look at it now. My position is you can identify individuals if they're at loose. If someone's out there, they've committed a very serious crime. I have no issue with putting the identity out. Um, going through as a young offender, there is a whole system that's there. The idea is somewhere down the line, you should, you know, the, you you may rehabilitate yourself. So the destruction that would come from putting it out there. So I'm a, I'm for 
initially we need to for public necessity yes otherwise no we're going to have to call it there we're at a racetrack but my thanks to dave trafford courtney betty jerry agar a lively round table catch the round table round one at 7 45 round two at 8 45 weekday mornings on more in the morning news talk 1010 toronto